This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with Katrina Hale, who is a surrogacy counsellor based in Sydney, but she provides counselling for surrogacy teams across Australia, either by Skype or in person. Katrina and I have been talking a lot lately about how do we support people to have a positive surrogacy journey, not just as a reactive way of dealing with problems when they occur, but preparing people for positive surrogacy journeys before they undertake them. We decided we would do a podcast series where we focused on particular topics that people could use as a resource to learn about how surrogacy works and to prepare themselves for having a a good time and uh, a positive outcome for their surrogacy journey. It really is more about uh, everyone's well-being than just the baby at the end. And in this particular episode, we focused on the fears that we all have in surrogacy. For the intended parents, that might be the fear that the surrogate is going to keep the baby or take the baby from them. And for the surrogate, it may be that she has fears that she's going to be used and abandoned. Katrina and I talked about uh, why we have those fears, how are they triggered during our surrogacy journeys, and what can we do to manage them and look after ourselves and each other in the team. I'm calling this the Kale series, the Katrina Hale surrogacy podcast series. We all know that Kale is meant to be really good for us. This is the Kale with the H in the middle to name after Katrina Hale and to let you all know that this is about a a dose of Kale for your surrogacy journey. I'm going to hand over now to Katrina so that we can talk about fears and managing our fears in our surrogacy journey. I encourage you to look at the resources on the website and if you are looking to contact Katrina, you can find her at katrinahalepsychology.com.au. So we're talking today, Katrina and I, and we're going to have a chat about fears in particular and the fears of the intended parents and the fears of the surrogates. And wondering, I guess, Katrina, if you could talk about what are those fears? What are the sort of regular things that you see intended intended parents worrying about and surrogates worrying about? There's, I see there's like a, uh, you know, very fundamentally uh, in surrogacy, there's actually a set of parallel fears or mirrored fears between intended parents and surrogates. Um, for intended parents, the fears are that the the surrogate's going to keep the baby. Um, and also there's one for intended parents, which is, you know, we're going to get taken off, taken advantage of financially and abandoned. Uh, the, the mirror fears for the surrogate are, I'm going to be left holding the baby and I'm going to be, you know, used and abandoned, uh, you know, like as a uterus, basically. So uh, these fears actually operate at a subconscious level. Um, so they drive a lot of anxieties, they drive a lot of behaviour and they get triggered uh, by a lot of, you know, like actions, you know, or, you know by each party. Um, but, that, you know, but then people don't then understand, you know, what the, 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 that's what's driving them. So they find themselves getting you know, upset or irritated or annoyed or anxious or fearful or, you know, defensive um, without understanding why. So if we were talking about, so what you were saying, the parallel fears of uh, the fear that the surrogate's going to keep the baby and then also the surrogate worries that the intended parents won't take the baby, how do we navigate that and, and, and process it with the parties? 
Yeah. Well, it's it's one of the things with surrogacy is, uh, you know, the difference between if it was a couple, you know, having a baby within a couple, uh, where they're already, you know, a couple, they're already in a household, and you know, if they, you know, get to have sex behind closed doors, uh, you know, fall pregnant, then. The, everything is sort of in alignment, you know, w within that couple and that household. And then all the default legal and medical systems, you know, that kick in to sort of manage that pregnancy and birth are just, you know, the default ones. Everything sort of happens relatively smoothly. Uh, in surrogacy, we, you know, it come, you know, a group of people come together to try and bring a baby into the world. So therefore, it's like a sort of a, a, a group pregnancy there's an agreement within the group as to who the intended parents are but then there's a you know a different person who's going to you know carry and birth the baby who is you know outside of that you know parental household couple um, so and then you know, legally, once the surrogate is pregnant, then, you know, she has bodily autonomy. So therefore she gets to, you know, she has full legal control over all decisions that get made in regards to her health, the pregnancy and the birth. So in some ways, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's a very unusual dynamic. So everybody agrees who the intended parents are, but then the surrogate's going to get pregnant and then she's going to be the legal mother the legal parent of that baby so that can create some anxieties for an intended, intended parents because they're like well yeah that woman over there has you know got our baby hostage and what if what if she changes her mind you know what if uh you know she doesn't follow through on what she said she's going to do you know what if this what if that you know what if she makes decisions uh that uh, you know affect our baby what if she drinks a bottle of whiskey what if she what if she decides to keep her baby you know she has the legal ability to do that so and when people enter into surrogacy arrangements without knowing each other very well they don't have that history of trust with each other they don't have 10 years of experience of knowing you know what it means when someone doesn't return a phone call or you know you know doesn't do this or says this you know um so, yeah, so that fear for intended parents, you know, they're in a very dependent situation. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it, it, you know it, it's, it's like on an intellectual level, you know, they can think, oh, well, yeah, of course, you know, she's agreed, you know, it's our baby, it's our genetics, she said she doesn't want the baby. But then this is on a very primal level. You know, this is where they've sort of, you know, bonded, you know, with, with that baby and then another person has you know, that baby in the care. It's very much, yep, intended parents who feel this, you know, very strongly, it's actually a sign of parental bonding. It's actually a very positive sign uh, that intended parents feel this anxiety. You know, this is parental anxiety. This is parental bonding. So um, the surrogates, again, the parallel fear for the surrogate is, you know, it's interesting that they, they are, you know, Two, two different versions of the same thing. For the surrogate, it's very much, uh, what if I'm left holding the baby? Because again, you know, there's an agreement that, you know, who the intended parents are. You know, the surrogate has, has agreed to take on this pregnancy, you know, feeling confident in the knowledge 
that is not her baby. Uh, you know, she doesn't want another baby. There's like so many easier ways for the surrogate to have another baby, you know, than put herself through all the hoops and, you know, paperwork and, you know, uh, appointments of surrogacy. Uh, so, you know, so the surrogate, the surrogate agrees to be a surrogate uh, because she doesn't want to have another baby, you know, because she doesn't see this as, as her baby. So, but then it's again that same thing. Once she's pregnant, you know, it's like she's on the roller coaster, you know, she's pregnant. And then it's like, oh my goodness, you know, what if, you know, what if the intended parents change their mind? You know, what if they run out of money? You know, what if they, you know, aren't everything they said they are? What if I find out something about them? What if, what if, what if? And for a surrogate, that subconscious fear can be triggered by things which you know can be quite simple and, and apparently superficial uh the surrogate goes to an appointment she scans the uh you know, swipes the debit card and it gets declined there's no money in the bank account the intended parents might go oh that's okay just send us the invoice and we'll reimburse it but for the surrogate that moment when she swipes the debit card and it gets declined it actually triggers that fear you know oh my goodness, they've run out of money, I'm pregnant, you know, we're halfway through the pregnancy, they're in financial strife, they've run out of money, we've, you know, how on earth are they going to afford the rest of this pregnancy? If they can't afford the rest of this pregnancy, how the hell are they going to afford being parents? Oh my goodness, I'm going to be left holding the baby. <laughs> it's like, you know, on, on both sides, it can be someone doesn't return a phone call, intended parents leave a message for the surrogate, she doesn't return the phone call. Oh my goodness, she's run away. You know, she's gone and got a uh, a, a termination. You know, she's gone to, to you know South America with our baby. It, you know, it, it's all over. You know, for the surrogate, intended parents don't return a phone call. Oh my goodness, they've changed their mind. They've died in a in a, in a car accident. Uh, you know, some disasters happened to them. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be left holding the baby. So it can be, you know very simple little situations uh, that happen in, in daily life. You know, oops, forgot to top up the bank account. Oops, got busy and didn't return a phone call. In surrogacy, because there's a, a, a pregnancy, because there's a, a baby, and then we start getting all these primal instincts and bonding, you know, that it creates, sets up this incredible, unique dependency between intended parents and surrogates. They are dependent on each other. The surrogate does not want the intended parents to go anywhere. <laughs> she, she, she needs them to hang around and she needs them, you know, to look after her and because through looking after her, they're looking after their baby. And also she needs them to be there at the end to take the baby. So intended parents are dependent on their surrogate Again, their surrogate has, you know, I use the word hostage, uh, as, you know, exaggerated term, but it creates an emotional point. So it's like, you know, that woman over there has got your baby. It's very extreme babysitting. So it's like, you know, you are dependent on her to take care of your baby, to look after your baby, and then to give your baby back to you, you know, like, you know, back into your arms at, at, at the end of this. So uh it's surrogacy very much sets up an unusual dependency which is unique to surrogacy i don't think there's any other 
any other any other relationship that I can think of that compares to that and it's it's different to a family relationship it's different to a friend relationship it's different to uh, a, a work relationship um, sometimes people think that they can rely on the surrogacy agreement to substitute for trust or, or and stuff like this the, the surrogacy agreement is just an agreement that you're doing surrogacy uh, you know it's not not legally enforceable so uh, yeah it's these these sort of parallel parallel fears, you know, can drive a lot of the angst in surrogacy. I'm wondering then if it's sort of inevitable that people are going to have those fears. How do we work through them so that they don't have a negative impact on the journey? How do we sort of make sure people are prepared enough that when those fears are triggered, that we can deal with them and, and still maintain a positive relationship? So I think, yeah, I mean, the foundation of, of this is trust so um it's like the intended parents need to trust that their surrogate is going to do this and can do this um you know they they yeah they have to have to have to trust that uh she's going to be true to her word and yeah surrogates need to you know trust that intended parents are going to follow through on their word but Again, you know, trust is a complex thing. Uh, trust isn't words on a piece of paper. You know, you know, trust has to be built and earned and gained through experience. So, yeah, you know, investing time and energy into, you know, building your relationship pre-surrogacy, working out if you can trust people uh, with the, the trivialities as well as the the big things, you know, working out people's personalities, you know, what does it mean when someone doesn't return a phone call? Does it mean they are busy? Does it mean they are stonewalling? Does it mean they, are, they never return phone calls, so it's unrealistic to expect it of them? Does it mean that, you know, there, there is something going on in their life? So therefore, if that happens, you've got some predictability. They never return phone calls, so it's unrealistic of me to, to get, you know, anxious or angry over that. Or, yeah, it's like they always return a phone call except when they're pissed off at me and therefore that means that I need to go in and, you know, repair the relationship. Or, uh, you know, they're extraordinarily liable. They don't use strategies like stonewalling. Something catastrophic must have happened. I need to, you know, call the police or the ambulance or something like that. Um, so that therefore, you know, there's a, a, a predictability uh, about each other, about what these things mean. Like if the uh, debit card gets declined, uh, why? You know, like oh, it's like going, I know they're completely disorganised financially, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, before we started this surrogacy relationship, they showed me the bank, the, the savings that they have for this surrogacy. You know, it's like they haven't, the intended parents haven't been, you know, talking about their uh, financial stress and how, uh, you know, expensive surrogacy is for them and how much they're going to need to be sort of, you know, scrimping and saving to afford that. You know, it doesn't, it's like, a, you know, the, the card gets declined and I'm, I'm like going, God, they're disorganised, uh, as opposed to, oh, my goodness, they've run out of money. They told me how expensive surrogacy was. Uh, they must have run out of money. That's it. So, um, yeah, there's no, again, there's no, there's no A plus B equals C 
you know, easy formula for this. This is, you know, time, work, effort, getting to know each other on an authentic, you know, <laughs> genuine uh, relationship foundation. I think that's right in that my experience of the surrogacy process when I was worried that I was being ignored or forgotten or it was going to be abandoned by my intended parents, that it was really being able to look back on the foundation of friendship that we had and knowing as you talk about what are the predictors, what, are, you know, has there been a history of them ignoring me, for example? No. Then what can I refer back to as evidence that they're not abandoning me? And then reassuring myself that actually, you know, they're busy or we've got other stuff going on, that sort of thing. And reminding myself that everything was fine rather than reverting to disaster and catastrophe. So I do think that it comes back to having that foundation and building the trust and that can't happen in a matter of weeks or a few months. It has to be a history of it. Yeah, and I was going to add, add another another dimension to that as well. You, you were asking about how how can people navigate this? How can people handle that? I think having an awareness, like I said, these are subconscious fears, you know, uh, discuss people you know surrogate says no no i'm not going to keep your baby you know intended parents say of course we're going to take the baby you know that that can be you know on sort of one level um but also recognizing if you know if intended parents recognize that they have this subconscious fear and like i said the fear comes from parental bonding you know if they recognize that and that that subconscious fear can get triggered you know by things their surrogate does because of the dependency and intensity and unique dynamics of the relationship, then that can also help them, you know, like, you know, reflect, you know, or, you know, it's like a, this happened, you know, our surrogate did this. I'm, you know, like very upset over, you know, strangely upset or strangely angry or strangely irritated. I can't work out why, you know, oh, did it trigger? Did that make me, you know, get stressed that I've had intended parents, you know, like a surrogate didn't return a phone call and they have, you know, taken it to the point where she's gone and had a termination. That's where their mind has gone uh, because it's, these are subconscious fears for surrogates as well to have an awareness that, that, you know, all surrogates carry this sub subconscious fear, all of them. It's primal. Okay. Um, you know, that therefore when, you know, th things happen, you know, that their intended parents do. You know, there's this huge expectation on intended parents to get it 100% right 100% of the time. You know, <laughs> you know it, it's like without a rule book. So, uh, you know, when, in, you know, often so much of what I see is people, everybody doing things with the best of intentions, the very best of intentions, but sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they don't get it exactly right. You know, so also for surrogates to have that awareness of like going, yeah, maybe this is triggering that subconscious fear because I'm in, you know, pretty unknown and uncharted territory and there's that, you know, massive de de dependency. So like you said, Sarah, to sort of, yeah, then reflect on, do I have any evidence of this? You know, is there a history that supports this, you know? Uh, or is this perhaps that subconscious fear being triggered? Mm. Um, I'm interested in this idea that uh, about control, I guess, is that... Uh, surrogates in altruistic arrangements feel like there's um, an imbalance of power and control and it's in their favour. And I know my partner and I 
felt very uncomfortable with the fact that we had the we were holding baby hostage potentially and that we worried that our intended parents might feel that they could never ever upset their surrogate they had to always be on their best behavior because heaven forbid she should be annoyed with them because she might keep the baby for example and what mm. i find is that that's actually an ongoing theme that my intended parents are always very quick to make sure they don't upset me and i guess my question is then how do we sort of manage that that control thing in the room the power imbalance so that surrogates don't feel like it's it, it's not something they want anyway but how do we level the playing field i guess is that even possible uh, yeah it, it, it's it's interesting you know you talking about leveling the playing field uh i think it's it's again recognizing the the unique and you know complex and multi-dimensional aspects of you know a surrogacy journey and a surrogacy relationship um because yeah the the level the level playing field is you know that's how relationships normally work you know we have a a 50 50 relationship um even you know like friendships intimate relationships even you know employer employee relationships it's like you know you do the work you get you know, like paid for that so uh there is a sort of a, a, a you know a, 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 there is a there is a power imbalance in a lot of ways in surrogacy uh but it fits within a different set of you know rules and dynamics you know there's the unspoken rituals of altruism um there's the uh, you know looking at it at that sort of you know group basis where it's not you know the surrogate is the oven you know who cooks a cake and timer goes off and gives it back you know it's the surrogate carries the baby and the intended parents carry the surrogate you know the surrogate is pregnant you know with the intended parents baby and the intended parents are pregnant with the surrogate you know there they are there are unequal dynamics out of necessity but there's different stages in a surrogacy relationship. So, uh, you know, things like money come into it. You know, it's, it's like, you know, there's a financial dependency between the surrogate and the intended parents, which is very unusual between two separate households. So, you know, intended parents pay for the surrogacy and, you know, pregnancy-related consequences them doing that is basically them paying for you know materially caring for their child through caring for their surrogate that you know money is parenting um but then they have no control over how that money gets spent you know it can feel very you know very out of control it's like well what if the surrogate the complete diva and she does this and it's like people don't share financial values you know in in how they spend money um so, you know, normally when you uh, pay the bills, when you're the one with the money, you know, who, who pays for things, it gives you the most control. Uh, in surrogacy for intended parents, they pay the bills and they have the least control, you know, because then, you know, things like bodily autonomy come into it. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's like they're... To, to try, you know, I sort of say, you know, friendship and other relationships are 50-50. Surrogacy is 80-20. You 
you know, in the surrogate's favour. But then you as a surrogate are, are saying, yeah, me and other surrogates, we don't like that power imbalance. We're uncomfortable with that power imbalance. You know, we don't want it to be 80-20. You know, the weird formula of surrogacy is if intended parents give 80, expect 20, they'll get 50 because of the nature of surrogates. Because surrogates, if you give them 80, <laughs> then they, will, they won't give you back 20, they'll give you 50. Yeah, but you've got to give them 80 first and only expect 20. So the, you know, that's one way to sort of yeah, negotiate the power balance. But you can't sort of take the shortcut and go, oh, well, because we're trying to make it 50, uh, we'll, just get, we'll just go straight to 50. You know, you know, it's like, well, why don't we not give our surrogate 80 and expect 20 and just give her 50 because she's going to give us 50? Doesn't work. Uh, and then I think there's, as, as you were saying uh, in another conversation we had, there's the perpetual journey of surrogacy. Surrogacy, the surrogacy journey, you know, when does the surrogacy journey end? You know, does it end with birth? Does it end, uh, you know, when the intended parents go back home? You know, does it end when we leave hospital? Does it end with the parentage order? You know, when does the surrogacy journey end? And your words were, you know, it's, it's a perpetual journey. So post-birth, there's a massive transition. Post-parentage order, you know, there's another uh, you know, massive transition. Levels of the, of the surrogate, you know, we, we take away the project management of the surrogacy. You know, we take away the appointments and the paperwork. We take that away. We take away the financial dependency. The pregnancy is over. Uh, so, but then it's, we're left with a whole new set of other things. We've got the, we're, you know, we've got the, the friendship or family, you know, relationship as a foundation that went into this. We've then put the, the unusual, unique sorrowship, uh, you know, trademark. Uh, Marnie, um, relationship in there, uh, which is the, you know, which is the one which has the power imbalance in it. Now we've got the relationship between the intended parents and the baby, you know, they're now new parents. So that's a new relationship. We've got this, this, the relationship between the surrogate and the baby she gave birth to and her family and their relationship to the baby. What's that all about? <laughs> so, it's the relationship that keeps on giving. The surrogacy journey is never over, but it, it's, it's a book with many chapters and it's, a, and it's a, a book with many, many transitions, intense, uncharted, unusual transitions between those chapters. So, yeah, it, you know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't end, it just changes. Mm. I think that's really interesting what you say about the, the rule book that's unwritten is that certainly in the post-birth period I felt that... Uh, was not sure how we were all meant to behave now that the birth was over. Now that I wasn't being their surrogate, who was I and how do we behave with each other and what yeah. are the rules? And there's and no... That's what, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk. Yeah, and that's that sort of fourth trimester, yeah, birth and beyond sort of thing as well. We were talking about those parallel fears of intended parents feeling like she'll keep the baby and the surrogate feeling like uh, they won't take the baby, but also that she would feel abandoned. Is there any particular points during the journey where she might specifically feel abandoned or, and is there anything that we can do to, to, I guess, allay that fear and make her feel like they are still going to be around? Mm -mm -mm. So, yeah, so it's like 
again, you know, this is this sort of this unusual sort of subconscious parallel fears uh, for intended parents. Uh, there's an interesting one of yeah, like we're going to be taken advantage of and you know used and abandoned financially. Uh, you know, um, and for in, for surrogates, there's yeah the subconscious fear of um you know going to be you know like basically treated like a you know uterus on legs you know like like used as a vessel and then abandoned you know like the intended parents you know only you know want me you know for my uterus so um i think we sort of covered the uh the one for the intended parents in terms of that you know financial dependency and feeling out of control so i want to focus more on on the surrogate side one um it's very much you know this is one that drives so much uh, you know, emotion in, in surrogates um, because uh, you know, there's, there's more intended parents than surrogates. So it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's surrogates are sort of scarce resources that, you know, a lot of intended parents, let's say, are competing to, to get and find a surrogate. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, almost like courtship behaviors uh you know that that go along um you know with intended parents finding a surrogate and surrogates will often sort of say well you know this is what i want and this is what i need you know and intended parents will go yes 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 of, of course of course you know we'll, we'll do that you know we'll, we'll do everything because it's a, a like a, you know like i said a courtship behavior you know it's like you know we, we'll have to charm our surrogate and agree to everything she says because there's a fear that she'll run away and we won't get a surrogate so uh, you know whereas surrogates you know they're listening very very closely to what intended parents are saying and promising because it's them who's going to be carrying the baby and you know putting their body on the line you know taking you know the, the risks of, of that um so yeah and, and there's also you know that unknown of like well what's going to happen post-birth you know, it's like, yeah, sure, they're going to hang around while I'm pregnant because they've got their baby hostage, you know, we're in a state of dependency. But what happens post-birth, you know, when they've got the baby in their arms and they go home, who am I going to be to them, you know, when's the journey over? Um, so, so that fear on the surrogate side, it gets triggered over and over and over and over again. It gets triggered during pregnancy um, where if, you know, let's say... Uh, intended parents tell their surrogate look i'm not going to be able to make that appointment um because i've got a work meeting it's like oh got it yeah your job is more important than me the person carrying your baby you know got it um it's like yeah intended parents uh aren't empathic or you know aren't compassionate to to what their surrogate's going through things like you know it, it's like yeah lots of lots of little things you know can can trigger that um during surrogacy where the surrogate feels like she's being treated like a uterus on legs you know as opposed to a three-dimensional woman who's doing a massively generous favor um for someone uh you know post-birth there's that anxiety that like yeah once the intended parents have got everything they want, you know, which is a baby, all that charming behavior is going to be dropped and they're going to, you know, they, they don't need me anymore. You know, they're going to do it like a grab and run. I've heard surrogates doing it, you know, 
once they've got the parentage order and there's no, I've legally signed everything over, then that's it. it there's all these milestones that surrogates anticipate. Ah, oh, well, you know, it's like you know, post-birth, I might be used and abandoned. Parentage order, I might be used and abandoned. Child's first birthday, I might be used and abandoned. They're sort of just waiting for it to happen. You know, so therefore there's all, again, it gets triggered by all these well-intentioned or inadvertent behaviours <laughs> that intended parents do. I think that's, that's actually really interesting. I do remember at one uh, doctor's appointment I had at the hospital and I turned up with the intention of having lunch with my intended parents and they had forgotten the lunch date. And of course, my immediate thought is, oh, I see you, you haven't prioritised lunch with me over your other important things in your life, work meetings, for example. And they raced to the hospital to show me that, yes, they had forgotten, but that I was still a priority. And it was very hard to be grumpy with them because they were still able to show me that I was very much a priority and they weren't abandoning me at, at lunch that day. It was, yeah, it's quite interesting yeah, to look back yeah. on that and see those triggers. Yeah. yeah. Again, and if we, look, if we look at that in terms of, you know, give 80, expect 20, get 50, it's like they could have said to you, yeah, but work's important, you know, and we'd already booked that meeting and we forgot and, you know, you know that us working is what earns the money to, to uh, you know, support this surrogacy. You need to see our point of view. Mm. Yeah, which in a friendship, it's like, look, we'd arranged lunch, you know, I'm here waiting for you, you didn't turn up. And your friend goes, oh, sorry, you know, I forgot, I've got this really important work meeting. You go, that's okay. I'm a bit pissed off, but that's okay. I get mm. it, you know. So they stuffed up, you know, it's like, but then they demonstrated giving you 80, you know, by... <laughs> you know, rushing, you know, to the hospital and being, being contrite and probably expecting that you, you know, could be very pissed off and cranky with them, uh, which then, like you said, it was then very hard to be cranky with them. I could give them 50 because they yeah, gave 80, expected 20. So therefore, because I'm a, you know, generous, self-sacrificing, selfless person who signs up to be a surrogate <laughs> and I don't want this power imbalance, it was forgiven. Mm. Yeah, it was okay. So then I guess if there was advice going forward, it's really hard to sort of put that into a snapshot. A lot of it comes back to time and relationship building and trust building. Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of building a strong foundation and, and being ready for those triggers, those trigger points of the intended parents' fears and the surrogates' fears, what would you be advising people to, to do to prepare for it? Okay. So, yeah, so I've, I've seen, you know, I've, I've had surrogacy groups where, you know, they have, you know, they, they've, they've got a strong family foundation. You know, they've, they've been best friends for 20 years. You know, they've put all, all the effort, you know, uh, into, into building their, their surrogacy relationship. Um, but then once they're, you know, in a, a surrogate pregnancy or preparing for a surrogate birth or, you know, navigating the fourth trimester, these, these, subconscious fears still get triggered and they still send things off track you know they can still like cause blow-ups yeah you know yeah people getting hurt people shut shutting down people not not getting confused people not knowing how to cope in the surrogacy relationship so even you know with the very best of preparation you know, the very best of intentions 
This is incredibly complex stuff. This is incredibly emotionally intense stuff. This is incredibly primally significant stuff. So often, you know, just having the theoretical knowledge, just going, yeah, sure, if that heart starts happening for us, we'll know what's going on and we'll know how to manage it, is not always enough. Uh, so that's why having, going and talking, you know, to a counsellor um, about this stuff can help. For me, if I've done the pre-surrogacy counselling with people, I've got, a, I've got a snapshot of them all as individuals. I've got a snapshot that as, of them as, a couple, as couples. I've got a snapshot of them as a group. You know, and what I look for is like, what's your intention? What's your intentions and what's your capacity you know, to fulfil those intentions? So then if a group comes back to me and they're like going, this has happened, things have blown up, nobody's talking to each other, it's gotten completely off the track, then it's really easy for me to sort of go, well, what happened? Tell me what happened. And that's why I can go, oh, see, your subconscious fears have been triggered. You know, her subconscious fears have been triggered. You know, nobody, everybody did things with the best of intentions, but we're just operating under a different set of rules. For instance, your example, it's like going, the intended parents uh, forgot that we had an appointment and they had a work meeting. It's like, I get it that they had a work meeting, but I am feeling, I am devastated. You know, I'm utterly devastated. I feel yeah, you know, they don't care about me. I feel like a low priority. You know, I, I, I'm just worried about, you know, what, you know, how they're going to treat me when it gets this, you know, I can't work out why I'm having such an extreme emotional reaction to the fact that they forgot an appointment. It's really you know, easy for me to then say, this is because there's a different set of dynamics going on. There's subconscious fears driving this, you know, this is why people say about surrogacy it was so much harder uh you know than we thought it 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 was going to be you know in so many of our conversations we've talked talked about stuff and you know we've just gone oh my goodness this, you know it's just so complex it is just very very complex and sometimes you need there's there's not a lot of you know there's not a lot of instruction books <laughs> there's there's you know it's a it's a an evolving field it's a it's a young uh, you know sociological field you know, sometimes it's good to have someone to help you navigate. You know, sometimes it's good to have a guide. Sometimes it's good to have, you know, Siri in the back of your uh, Commodore when you're locked in on the surrogacy journey. You know, it's, it's like, it's okay to ask for help. I think that's, that's perfect. Exactly what we need. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about surrogacy, you can have a look at my website at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram, and you can listen to more podcasts on the website or on Apple Podcasts.